In a world filled with information, where do you turn to get straight talk about retirement, investments, and your money? Lock it in to the longest-running financial talk show in Arkansas and let us help you build the bridge between information and application. Real financial change begins right here, and it starts with you. It's showtime! Hey, good morning. And on today's show, we're opening it up for your questions. We get plenty of them in our client meeting rooms, and we've got the top questions we get. Plus, you can even text in yours. The show starts now. This is the Get Ready for the Future show. Welcome in, everybody, to the Get Ready for the Future show. It is the man show today. Scott Inman, John Shrewsbury, Tim Key sitting in Janet Walker's chair today. And Tim is uh, the ultimate team player because he got noticed that he was doing that about 20 minutes ago. So we appreciate you sliding in. Oh, good to go. I'm thankful to do it. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to be testing your, your, your financial prowess today. All questions go to Tim because he's the least prepared of any of us. And we'll see how he does. How about that, Scott? Well, and I think, of you know, the topic of today's show falls right in line with I th- I th- there's nothing for him to be concerned about because all it is is questions that we get yeah. in a client meeting room and we get plenty of them so there's uh, a top list of questions that we get that we're going to go over uh, in today's show but we want you to participate so if you're watching on Facebook today or on YouTube you can get these questions into us live by texting us that's right you can text us a question at 501-381-5228 nothing's off limits here anything that's on your mind when it comes to your retirement, your investments, your money, text that question and we'll get to it on the air today. And even if you're listening on radio, I would go as far to say, guys, that go ahead and send that text in. We are not live on Saturday mornings, but we'll get that text and we can address that uh, in a future show. So 501-381-5228 is the number to get your question in. We're also going to get some really great insight in the next segment. We'll be joined, by we, by we uh, as we often are, by our special guest, Ryan Dietrich, who is the Chief Market Strategist with LPL Financial. Uh, they are working on and probably have already put the finishing touches on Outlook. Uh, that that uh, research team puts that together for all LPL advisors, and we utilize that in our upcoming webinar. So we should point that out as well. The twenty Outlook 2021 webinar is coming up on January 19th, 630. Uh, it is free to attend. All you have to do is register it by either doing it on our Facebook page, or you can go to our website, getreadyforthefuture.com, look for the events tab there, uh, and sign up. January 19th, 630. So that's coming up next week. So let's dive right in. Uh, we've got a lot of questions here in front of us, so we don't want to spend too much time uh, getting to them or before we get to them. So number one on our list, and these are in no particular order. I don't know that I would say these are rankings of our top questions, but certainly one of the top questions we get is when should I claim Social Security? And let me say this is a very important question for sure that clients should be asking, and I think sometimes don't ask their financial advisor because they know they're not going to get an answer. Scott, I hate to to open up our answers to our questions with the proverbial uh, answer. It depends. Every question is it depends, <laughs> yes. uh, and, and but it really does. Sure. It really depends on you and your situation. I, I don't want to to equivocate on this, but the circumstances in which you approach retirement really do dictate whether or not you should take Social Security early 
at full retirement or even delay it all the way to age 70. And those circumstances, Tim, often are, uh, first of all, how much money you have to bridge the gap between your retirement date and ultimately when you actually draw Social Security. Yes, if you've been able to accumulate a lot of retirement assets in your working career and you have the ability to take income from that and use that for your retirement while you're delaying the Social Security benefit and really potentially getting a much larger benefit, I mean, that would make the most sense in that case. But again, it goes back to how long do you think you're going to live? I mean, that's one of the big questions because there is a break-even point on whether you take it early or take it late. And there are just so many different options available, especially to married couples and um, someone maybe who is widowed but has um, been married before and all kinds of different things that everyone's scenario is a little bit different. Scott, I would say that the answer to this question is you really need to sit down with your advisor and sort through the complexities because this is an area where a financial advisor earns his keep because there are a lot of different ways to look at this, a lot of different ways that it could go, and you have to find the optimal strategy for not only your situation, and I always tell clients it's a it's not only a numerical answer, but it is a situational answer. And finding the balance between those two is what we try to do in the meeting rooms. I believe we have a graph that shows the effects. I'm not sure I can't see in here if you've already used it or not, but I believe we have a graph that shows the effects of delaying uh, Social Security, don't we? Yeah. So let's walk through this. If your Social Security retirement age is, let's say, 66, and your benefit is going to be $2,000 a month or $24,000 a year, if you take Social Security early, you're actually going to get about $18,000 a year if you claim it at 62, because they reduce the amount of your benefit the earlier you take it. And so you can see on the graph that it progresses from $18,000 all the way up to $24,000 at full retirement age. Yeah, full retirement age for anyone retiring that um, prior to 1955 is 66, and then it goes up two months per year until um, 1960, then everyone after that is at age 67. So we really have to go with that primary insurance amount, which is your full retirement age, and then the decrease or the increase is based on how many months, really, you take it before or after that date. Absolutely. And so, uh, you know, as I said, Scott, it is a complex question. Mm -hmm. And it's one that we dig into and spend a lot of time on in the uh, period of time between our initial appointment with the client and our our second appointment with the client. That's part of the work that goes on inside the GenWealth headquarters, wherever you may be meeting with that that, uh, advisor at. That advisor is really kind of uh, burning up the calculator, making sure we understand all of the dynamics of your situation and delivering an answer for you that fits your situation. If you engage with us and go through the GenWealth Ready to Retire process, your plan will include a social security analysis and strategy, a big component to your overall retirement plan. When to claim social security, you'll have a good idea of what your income floor uh, will look like. All right, so second question on our list is, should I spend down my 401k slash IRA first or keep it for last. So this order depends greatly on many factors as well. And, 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 and you already prefaced this today, John, by saying a lot of it is going to depend. But, but a straight answer, a blanket answer for everyone is not what we do. We, we do unique planning for each individual. But the first thing I think about when I hear that question resonate in my mind, should I spend down my 401k first or keep it for last, it really depends on a retirement age. If you're retiring early, that's going to have great impact. You're going to have to probably spend down some of it because you're not going to have any other 
income sources, probably. I, I think you've got to also ask, you know, how early is early? Because you can't tap into your 401k or IRA uh, in most cases prior to 59 and a half, sometimes at 55. If you're a, uh, a law enforcement officer or a public servant, you might be able to tap it at 50. But there are a lot of variables there, again, Tim, that it really does need an analysis. Everyone, again, is different. Um, what age are you? What the asset, what assets have you accumulated? Um, if we're able to go ahead and we've got Scott and I've been meeting with some younger folks I'm in their mid 50s that are trying to retire early. And really the only source of retirement income that they will have available to them right now will be one of their 401ks because if he retires after 55 and is able he's able to take that without that 10% penalty. So we're going to have to leave that money behind in the 401k and take that. But oftentimes, using the money from the IRA, we'd like to be able to keep some of that because we'd like to keep that invested for that longer term because we're able to maybe keep that invested with the growth rates of 8% or better, um, hopefully, and and you really can't get any um, better returns in Social Security or anywhere else with that kind of those kinds of assets. Scott, I would also point out just real quickly that uh, it doesn't really necessarily mean 401k or IRA gets spent down first. I think the important question is, asset location where your assets are, meaning that you want to uh, begin to spend down money from your fixed income portfolio first, and then look at waterfalling, if you will, assets from your moderate or more aggressive investments. That is what we do in the income for life model and the bucketing strategy that we employ here at GenWealth. You always want to be withdrawing your income from a location that is not subject to market fluctuation. Less about the name of the account and more about the investments in the account, for sure. Absolutely. Coming up, we're going to take a break here and on the other side, be joined by our special guest, Ryan Dietrich, Chief Market Strategist with LPL Financial. The Get Ready for the Future show continues next. Hey, we're taking your questions today. Ask us anything. You can text us, 501-381-5228, and we'll get to your questions in the broadcast today. But we've got some questions of our own in this segment as we are joined by LPL Chief Market Strategist Ryan Dietrich, uh, as he is so kind often to do on the Get Ready for the Future show. Welcome aboard again, Ryan. Thank you, Scott. I'm glad to be back. It's 2021. How about that? Yeah, that is hard to believe. It still doesn't sound right when we say it, although I think we're all glad to say it. There's no question about that. Absolutely. Uh, So let's kind of start right there. Obviously, the markets uh, have finished 2020 strong, a little bit of rocky start to 2021. We know the outlook is out from LPL Financial, and we're going to have a a webinar on that next week, January 19th at 630. You can go to the events page and sign up or our Facebook page. But tell us a little bit, give us some insight into what LPL Research is saying when it comes to this upcoming year in the markets. Yeah, I mean, first off, that's going to be a lot of fun. So definitely sign up for that event, like we said, next week. But you know, we've, I've been going, coming on to you guys all, you know, second half of last year, and now we're thinking this bull market's still alive and well. I mean, Scott, you know, the average expansion lasts about five years. This new economic expansion we're in is maybe, I don't know, three, four, five months old, depending on when they officially started. You look around the globe, I mean, you know, Japan's at 30-year highs, but they're still not where they were in 89. Emerging markets are just breaking out of a 13-year base. Financials still aren't above where they were before. So there's, there's been a big move, we know, in large cap and tech. We're going to get into some of that stuff I know later with some of the questions. But the truth of the matter is we really do think this is a new bull market, and there could potentially can be a lot of life left to it. And uh, we think, you know, the economy is going to open up even more, fiscal stimulus, monetary stimulus. And for investors, hopefully in about a 12 months, we're back here, and they're, they're smiling pretty good. 
Hey, Ryan, I, I, we are doing a show today of Ask Us Anything, as you heard Scott mention. And one of the questions that, that we get in our meeting rooms from clients is, is the equity market too high? And do I need to change my asset allocation? And I know asset allocation is very uh, peculiar to the individual investor, but do you think the market is too high? No, we don't right here and now. Now, in the very near term, I get it. One of the big concerns we have is stocks are stretched. And they're a little pricey if you look at price-to-earning, P.E. multiples, price-to-earning multiples. We get two geekies. After a 70% rally off the lows since last March, could it be time for a little bit of a break? We'd say yes, but are they overvalued? Is this a 1999 scenario or 2007 scenario? We really don't think so, John. Again, it's because this cycle just started up. The growth just started up with the fiscal stimulus, monetary stimulus that's out there. Um, you know, we, we're looking at it. Any pullbacks? Well, I know we're going to get to sectors here in a minute. Any and all pullbacks? We think it's a buying opportunity. Real quickly on this, if you look at this bull market, how it started, it really matches up nicely with the March 2009 lows and then that bull market. What happened in 2010? A 10% correction early in the year, a bounce back, and then a 16% correction in the summer. After this huge rally, honestly, guys, two 10% corrections this year, that'd be perfectly normal. And again, investors need to be aware of that and use it as an opportunity to hit those longer-term goals. Well, Ryan, you mentioned sectors. What sectors do you like now? Yeah, well, right here, you know, I came up with you guys a lot last year saying we like growth, right? And we, we, we still like growth. We've warmed significantly to value, specifically cyclical value, um, you know, those industrials, those materials. Just, I think, yesterday or today in our global portfolio strategy report that we released to our advisors and their clients, we upgraded our view on financials also, right? And we, we've kind of been... I'm not so sure about financials. Now with the 10-year yield breaking out, we think a little more inflation, maybe a little higher yields. We like um, kind of a barbell approach, if you will, your healthcare and technology over here that got us to the party. But some of the new guys over here, materials, industrials, and um, uh, financials are kind of some groups we like over there as well. So, you know, everyone says pick your favorite, growth or value. But you know what? We kind of like them both, to be honest, here for 2021. Ryan Dietrich, our guest, the chief market strategist for LPL Financial. And, and Ryan, when you look back at 2020 and you see where there were the haves and the have-nots when it comes to a lot of corporations, uh, those who were technologically driven and, and figured out a way right through the, the global pandemic right. certainly got uh, very high in their valuations. And some are kind of dragging behind. Kind of pull that out from a general consensus and talk about this concept of narrow stock market leadership. I mean, in other words, is the growth of the market – concentrated in in too few companies Scott, we don't think so and i know where this comes from right this oh the fang stocks they make up so much of the market they're up so much but when uh, small caps all right there are thousands of small cap companies a lot more small cap companies than large cap companies you guys know last year the russell 2000 gained more than the s p 500 i don't think most people realize that small caps are another little group that we've actually upgraded back in september thinking as a new economic cycle comes small caps might do well so to us I don't. I just don't see this lack of breadth, lack of participation. There really are, yeah, some of the big all-stars, the bang stocks, we all know who they are, have done well. But honestly, since September, they really haven't done all that great. It's some of these smaller beaten-up groups. I mean, energy. Now, we don't really like energy quite yet, but energy's doing well, right? These beaten-up groups are doing well. So it's like the baton's just getting passed around, and we're not seeing the hallmarks of a major market peak where only a couple sectors are going higher. We think it's rather healthy, to be honest here. 
Ryan, let's jump over to the bond market. Obviously, and and working with uh, clients, we are big advocates of diversification in portfolios. However, there's a lot of talk about low to almost zero uh, yield on fixed income for the near term, although we have seen a little bit of movement in the tenure in a positive way right. there. But what is the proper role for fixed income in a portfolio in an environment where we're seeing still record low interest rates? Yeah, John, I mean, I think it's safety, right? It helps you sleep at night. I mean, think about it in March, right? Stocks were down 34%, at least the S&P was. Yet, you know, your treasuries are up 5%. Your bonds did pretty well. So it always makes sense in a well-diversified portfolio, that protection. And I just said, hey, we could have two double-digit corrections this year. It'd be perfectly normal after that rally. You'd like to have some of the safety that those bond uh, that bonds can provide for you. So, yes, if the 10-year yield continues to go a little bit higher, in our base case at Elko Research, I'm going to steal all the thunder for next week, but we do see a higher trending 10-year yield, which can pressure bond prices a little bit. We think stocks will outperform bonds again. But, in your, and, and, you know, again, it's always kind of on the individual. But for the average investor, boy, boy, bonds, a little bit of bond uh, allocation still makes a lot of sense for some safety that they provide. Um, should we have any bad news or rockiness this year? Well, Ryan, with the results of the Georgia Senate runoff race last week, um, what's it really look like um, for the Democratic majority in all three branches, and what could that look like for the markets? Yeah, you know, that's a great question, and it's something we've, we've been talking a lot about at the Research, because after the election, most in November, most people thought the Republicans would maintain the Senate. A little bit of surprise, it's not the case. I know it's 50-50, but the breakdown of the, the final goes to the um, Madam Vice President. But then you look at the House. Democrats only have an 11-seat advantage in the House. That's the smallest in like 130 years, okay? And you got 50-50 in the Senate. So you've got a lot of gridlock out there. Yes, the Democrats technically have the White House and both chambers of Congress. But at the same time, there is a lot of gridlock. Gridlock can be good, they say. And we do believe that. And at the same time, you know, all of the things that have happened in our country, we're optimistic that in 2021, both the left and right can come together and get some things done, whether or infrastructure, um, you know, there's probably a little bit higher taxes coming in 2022, probably a little more regulation coming due to those runoffs in Georgia. But the good news, I mean, that worries some investors. The good news is there's likely more spending uh, that's probably going to come. And like I said, a little bit more stimulus is going to come. So there, there are some positives. That's why the stock market is flirting with all-time highs almost as we speak. Yeah, when you mentioned the tax increase or the potential of a tax increase, that's certainly something that's been uh, waved yep. about. And that's one of our questions, actually, in, in, in our Ask Us Anything uh, content today is, are we going to see an increase in taxes with the new administration? Let's say that happens. Um, based on what you've heard, read, seen, uh, what impact could that have uh, for the investor? Well, historically, Scott, when you look at some of the previous times when uh, taxes have gone up, stocks have actually done kind of well. When you've had capital gains taxes go up, which might come also. 2013 was the last time we saw that. Stocks did really well in 2013. So I'm not minimizing higher taxes or more regulations. I know it concerns a lot of people. But at the same time, Mr. Market sometimes kind of looks at these things and has it priced in. But it's not just, okay, higher taxes here. There's probably more spending coming, an infrastructure plan, some of these things. Markets like spending, and, and those are kind of the ways investors should be paying attention to uh, things. We don't think it's um, – and let's be honest, 21% tax rate, 28 what was uh, what was kind of thrown out there. We don't think we're going to go all the way up to 28 with a 50-50 cent and 11-seat majority house. It may be a couple percent higher on corporate tax rate, but we don't see massively higher taxes like some people were worried about uh, this time you know, four months ago. 
Ryan, let's jump to uh, really current events right now where there's all the controversy about what's going on with the tech companies and yeah. and shutting off uh, uh, Twitter and Facebook to various people because they don't like what they had to say or whatever the case may be. I want to look at this a little bit differently from an investment standpoint. We've seen these tech companies just on fire in 2020. Is the bloom off the rose for them right now? Hey, you're going to get me in trouble. I'm talking about stuff like this, but no. <laughs> um, you know, you think of the technology, I mean, there's technology and communications. We still like technology a lot. That's where the growth is coming from. Yeah, they're a little overvalued, but again, there's some positives there. But you go to communications, and the area where on one side of the aisle, you have the left, and there's talk about, you know, potential antitrust breaking up the big cap tech names. We don't think that's going to be the case. But now you have the right that's upset with kind of, you know, obviously putting the muzzle on some people. So that's a group, communications, we actually just downgraded in our global portfolio strategy report um, I think yesterday when it came out. So it doesn't mean we don't like it, but there are some growing concerns um, with some of the things she has talked about. But the tech in general, I would separate from communications, um, is an important distinction there. All right, Ryan, um, job growth, and that's looking like it's turning a little bit negative right now. What's um, the difference between a strong market and, and the job growth area and where that may go? Yeah, great point. I mean, we just had our first negative month-over-month jobs number on Friday, right? The jobs, surprisingly, was down about 150, 140,000 there, close enough for government work. But the first negative we've seen in five or six months in terms of job growth, and that's the concern. That's what's going on with everything, with the shutdowns and people losing their jobs. Um, it's a concern, but we think it's more of a near-term concern as we look out into the second quarter, third quarter, when, when hopefully the vaccine is out fully, we beat coronavirus, and we can really start to see jobs coming back. But you think about what's one of the big concerns out there absolutely the weakness in the job market is one but on the flip side manufacturing numbers and services numbers have been pretty strong so there's some there's some pull and some uh, pull and push each way um but one of the things janet yellow made a comment that you know the jobs market is one of the most important things we need to get moving again now remember she's back she's in charge of the treasury so that's in the that's in washington's eyesight and again we need to get that fiscal stimulus plan out to help those people but it would hopefully by the second half of next year, this year, I should say, uh, jobs should be humming coming back. Well, Ryan, it's only going to be about uh, six days until we talk to you again. Well, I know a lot can change in six, day, six days. We are definitely looking forward to you joining us for Outlook 2021 on January 19th. Uh, I can't wait six days. It's almost like you know, like Christmas or something as a kid. And i got to wait a long time, but I can't wait, guys. It should be a blast. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. 6.30 is the start time. And a reminder to our listeners, you can sign up by going to our event page on our website at getreadyforthefuture.com or by going to our Facebook page. Ryan, thanks very much, and we'll see you again next week. Thanks, guys. See you then. We're back on the Get Ready for the Future show right after this. I want to take just a sec before we dive back into our questions. Ask us anything, the theme of today's Get Ready for the Future show. But I want to thank Ryan Dietrich again for coming on with us. You know, I don't think we often say, John, what a big deal it is we get Ryan. I mean, if you watch any financial news networks these days, you're likely to see Ryan. Yeah, Ryan is a, is the chief market strategist, the the big kahuna as far as the, the markets are concerned, for the largest independent broker-dealer in the country. Uh, most people don't know uh, of LPL. LPL is on the same size and scale of a Morgan Stanley or a Merrill Lynch in terms of number of advisors and assets and things of that nature. And Ryan is at the helm of a 40-plus person research team that all they do is do independent research for folks like us at Genwealth. And so it is a big deal to have Ryan on the show. And I, 
I love the access that we have to Ryan Dietrich to talk about the markets, money. That allows us, Scott, to really devote our attention to our clients and not have to be worried about what's going on on Wall Street or in Washington. We can count on LPL to provide us that information, and they do a great job. And I think it would be very prudent, Tim, for us to get some stand-up desks like Ryan had. That was pretty nifty. He was standing up at his desk. That's nice. I think we sit too much. I know that. So. Yeah, I, I definitely know that we sit too much. My, my uh-huh. feet get tired, though. I don't, I, that, that would be a problem. That's true for very long. All right, yep. back to our questions. Ask us anything, the topic of today's show. And these are questions that you can actually send in and text us. If you have something on your mind and you're watching on the live stream, we can get it on today. 501-381-5228. Again, it's 501-381-5228. But we've also got a list of questions prepared for you to go over. That These are the most common questions that we get in a client meeting room. We get lots of them. Uh, our next question on the list is, what's an in-service distribution? And that's something a lot of people are unfamiliar with. You know, you think about a rollover. Most people have heard that term and probably have a basic understanding of what that is. If you leave your job and you have a 401k or another type of employer plan, you likely have the opportunity to roll that out of the old employer plan and move it into either the new employer plan or to an IRA. And it is not a taxable occurrence to do that. But what a lot of people don't realize, John, is is when you reach 59 and a half, that's the magic age for a lot of things when it comes to financial uh, related issues. Um, When you reach 59 and a half, even if you're at your current employer, there's a pretty good chance you have an opportunity to do some of those same things. That's true, Scott. And and it really depends on a document called a summary plan description. That is a document that they give you when you're signing up for the 401k plan. You probably have thrown it over in a pile someplace at the house. Don't really know what that is. Never seen it before, but you can probably access it online on your 401k website. The summary plan description will tell you whether or not there is an in-service distribution option. Many, many, many employers have that in-service distribution option. Now, why would you want to do that? Frankly, that in service distribution option is there to give you the opportunity to prepare your portfolio to go from the accumulation phase of of your uh, journey toward retirement to the income phase. It's not something that you just want to do when you retire. You actually want to begin early and prepare for that. So let's say you're going to retire at 65. An option that you have is to take an in-service distribution at 59 and a half and decide, okay, what do I want to do with this money? You've got some options there that you could go through. You could spend the money, which would obviously not be the, the right thing to do. Take it in cash and be taxed on all that 401k money. You could leave it in, in your current employer's plan, or you could roll it to an IRA to prepare yourself for aligning your assets toward an income posture as opposed to a growth posture. And Tim, that's a big shift for a lot of people. Well, these 401ks that we have access to, usually there may be a money market account that's available, but then the rest of the um, investment opportunities in there are usually bond funds or mutual funds that are more growth oriented. So so it's a great opportunity to move out and get have access to some other things that will actually line you line your income investments up for your income needs. One of the other things that a lot of people ask us if if I do this, can I continue to contribute to my 401k? And that's absolutely it. yes. So you can continue to um, have those payroll deductions made, the match from the company go right into that 401k, and when you retire, we actually do a rollover of the rest of those funds into your IRA. 
and then we are able to manage those assets for you. Scott, I would also mention that, uh, you know, I've had the question, well, I don't know if I want to do that. I, my, my employer might think I'm quitting. Your employer doesn't care. It really does not matter <laughs> to your employer what you do with your 401k plan. Uh, it really has no effect on your 401k. It has no effect on, on anything other than taking it basically out of one pocket and putting it into another if you choose to do that in-service distribution. Now, you want to do that through an educational process. You want to understand all of the options that you have. And if you arrive at that decision, that's what allows us to begin planning for your ultimate retirement date and making sure that your assets are prepared when you get ready to start drawing income. I think it would be great to offer this to folks if you are uh, turning 59 and a half in 2021, or if you turned 59 and a half last year in 2020, it'd be a great time to reach out and sit down with a Gen Wealth Financial Advisor to build your plan, to determine what your options, if you have that option of an in-service distribution, if that's something you should take advantage of. You can do that. You can set up that first appointment. And a reminder, it is free. It does not cost you anything to come in and ask some more questions of us and get some answers uh, and begin that process of building a plan. To do that, there's two ways to reach out to us. You can uh, give us a call at 501-653-7355, and we have offices in Hot Springs, Bryant, West Little Rock, Conway, El Dorado, and in the Shreveport, Bossier City area of Louisiana. So an advisor is likely near you, 501-653-7355, or just send us an email, send it to info at getreadyforthefuture.com. Anna Olive is our client introductory specialist, and she'll give you a call and set up that first appointment. All right, our next question on the list is what's an RMD? And that usually comes after we say you're going to have to take an RMD <laughs> because that's <laughs> yes. when the question usually comes because many people don't have any idea what this is. They may have heard about having to take money out uh, of their IRA or their 401k at some point, but they don't really understand it clearly. So let's start with the acronym. RMD stands for Required Minimum Distribution. And this is this is a simple play for the IRS to begin to get paid on the taxes on this money because most folks have put money in for years, John, into their 401ks without paying taxes on it. That's right. And Scott, there are really only two exceptions to the RMD rule. One is if you are still employed, you don't have to take an RMD from your employer's 401k plan, but you do have to take an RMD from your IRA, even if you're still employed. So it's, again, complexity rules in the financial industry for whatever reason. That's that's how that works. The other exception is that if you have a Roth IRA, they are not subject to RMD rules for your own Roth IRA. Now, if you have an inherited Roth, that is subject to the RMD rule. Now, all of this is complex and, and you might go, ah, what does all that matter? Here's what it matters. They will penalize you 50% of what you should have taken under the RMD schedule if you do not take that RMD. So, Tim, that can be incredibly onerous for somebody. If they've got a $10,000 required minimum distribution on their IRA account and they miss it, they owe the IRS taxes plus 50% penalty. Yeah, it's a big penalty, and that's one reason why the team here at GenWealth makes sure that if you have to take an RMD, that we're taking that RMD. The actual RMD age increased last year to age 72 from 70 and a half, and that's something that some people may or may not have heard of. But um, now we can actually wait another year and a half before we take that RMD if you don't need that money from your IRA or 401k. Tim, you make a, a great point. Most of the places that you have an IRA, 
Now, you're on your own to figure out whether you got an RMD or not and how much it is and all of that type of thing. Here at GenWealth, we are very proactive about what we're doing as far as our clients are concerned. And we actually have a whole team of people that begin looking at this about mid-year to make sure that you're on track for taking enough out of your IRA and make sure that we're contacting you if you are not on track. And so that's something that we provide to folks as a service that, that we believe is a critical service to keep money in your pocket. Now, if for some reason you don't need those RMDs, they can be a source for tax savings if you want to utilize something called a qualified charitable distribution. Up to $100,000 per person or $200,000 for married couples can be distributed to a charity and they avoid the tax consequences of that required distribution. Now, there is a caveat there. You can't receive the money first and then reissue it to your charity of choice. It must go directly to from the IRA to the charitable organization. It can't pass you pass through you first. But if you are trying to say, hey, I like to give to charity on a regular basis. This is my preferred charity. You can get that money to them using your RMD and not have to pay taxes on it. Scott, that is a, uh, a tactic, if you will, that a lot of our clients who are charitably minded, they go ahead and, and do that. They, As a matter of fact, I've got one client I can count on it. As soon as the calendar turns to the new year, he's going to be on the phone to me talking about that charitable distribution that he wants to make to his church from his, uh, from his required minimum distribution. That obviously helps the church, and it also takes that required minimum distribution out of a taxable position as far as his income is concerned. Right. You do not include that as income on your tax return as you normally would. Now, you on the other flip side, you also do not get to claim that as a charitable um, con- distribution or contribution, um, but for RMD purposes, you've satisfied the RMD, and there's no tax consequence to you, and you have given your charity the money. And in a lot of cases, people are taking the standard deduction, so they're not itemizing their taxes, so that charitable contribution is is below the line anyway. That's right. And so that, that, that really is a big benefit for a lot of folks. All right, we've got about 90 seconds left before we have to take a break. We'll dive into the next question, which is, can I retire or am I on track for retirement? And this is obviously probably the number one question that we get. That's why people come to see us. However, I think it ties into the concept of we can't give you that answer with just a number on your uh, 401k statement. And I think that's the misnomer that is still out there today, John, that it's a magic number that if you reach a million or if you reach 1.2 or if you reach 2 million, that you can just automatically retire. And it is much more of a it depends answer than that. Scott, we do something here at GenWealth called the 15-minute retirement checkup. And it is a very, very broad brush at whether you're really on track for retirement or not. It, it really is takes a, a small subset of information and basically gives you an idea whether you're close or not. But it does not answer the question. The question can only be answered. And you need to understand if somebody's telling you, oh, I can tell you you can retire in 10 or 15 minutes, that's really not the case. There's way more that goes into it than just the the number that's on your 401k page that you on the statement that you get from your 401k. It is all about the planning process. And if you are planning, then you can have that answer that we can tell folks if they're on track for retirement or not. But it does take some time to get to that point. You can get that checkup or snapshot if you'd like by going to 15minuteretirement.com. It's a good start. It's a good starting point. 15minuteretirement.com. All right, we've got a couple of more questions we're going to go over on our last segment. It's time for our final commercial break, and we're back in a moment. 
taking your questions. It's an Ask Us Anything version of the Get Ready for the Future show, and you can chime in with your questions by texting us at 501-381-5228. Again, it's 501-381-5228. If you don't have a question today, you can write that number down and text us later. If you're watching on our live stream, this would be a great opportunity to get it answered now. If you're listening on radio, just know that we are recording in the middle of the week, so we will get that question and we can address it in an upcoming show. We've went over, we've gone over some very good questions today, and the questions we're using as kind of our base is our questions that we receive on a regular basis inside of client meeting rooms. And our top question was, can I retire or, or do I have enough to retire? Am I on track? That's the main reason people come to see us. But I'd say this one's right up there at the top of the list too. Do I have enough money to work with you? You know, I can't, we were just sitting in an appointment this morning, Tim, that, that uh, our client was asked, was talking about looking into another advisor and going through the process of being told, or at least reading that he didn't have enough money or there was a, an account minimum uh, to be able to work with that advisor. Well, there are a lot of advisors out there that do have minimums. Um, Fortunately, we do not. And so really our philosophy and our thought process is if you want help, we want to help you. So so we really open it up to everyone. So no amount is too small. And, you know, we're, you're going to get the same service from us, whether you've got $50,000 or $500,000. And I think that's one good thing. And one thing I enjoy about working with Gen Wealth is that we treat everyone the same. And, and again, no amount is too small. Scott, I, I'm often asking in client meetings, what's different about you guys and everybody else? And I've got a long list of stuff that I can go through with people. But one of the things that I say to people is that we respect all levels of wealth. Whatever what level of wealth you have, you've busted it for it. You, you have worked really hard to get there, and it deserves respect. It doesn't matter how big or how small it is. That level of wealth is yours, and it's what you have, and that's the starting point for us to begin to work together. Uh, I will tell you that there are, industry-wide, there is a, a fairly common uh, thought that, that if you don't have a quarter of a million dollars to invest with somebody, you're probably going to go to a call center or something like that, and you're not going to get any kind of human attention. And that's just not the case at GenWealth. Janet and I, when we formed the firm, we really came from very meager beginnings. And and I started as an individual investor putting $25 a month into a growth stock mutual fund when I was in my 20s. And if someone had not helped me with that I wouldn't be where I'm sitting today. And we feel like that that everyone deserves that kind of help. And we have uh, channels of, of folks that, that uh, help people specifically in that area. But really, no one is, is beyond helping anyone here at GenWealth. So, you know, I, I've sat down with young kids that are just getting their first job and starting an IRA account. And, and you know, that's just not going to be a lot of money that they put into that. But that doesn't matter. It's a bunch of money and it's a big deal for them. Well, let's talk about this too. A lot of the reasons people set those, or advisors set those account minimums is there's a level of profitability. I mean, every business, every business needs to make money and, and we're no different, but that's the limit of their vision in how they are scaling their revenue model. We have developed a system to be able to help younger clients because it's not based on the investment level, John, it's based on the ongoing relationship. Yeah, you've got to have a relationship. You've got to have someone to guide you through some of the complexities of of personal finance. So, Tim, we've been talking a lot about the fact that that all these RMD rules and 59 and a half and all this, the complexity just reigns in financial services. But there, there are a lot of things that 
if you don't, you can easily be led astray uh, early on in your financial life and and make some mistakes that are going to be hard to recover from. Yeah, there are so many different directions you can go and having someone you can turn to. I mean, I didn't get a lot of great advice from my parents. My mom did tell me when I started my first job, you know, you want to save 10% into your 401k. And so that's what I started. But a lot of people don't have the um, feedback and they haven't seen their parents make a lot of great good decisions. And so they haven't learned from them. So reaching out to somebody that you can trust and getting some um, good direction on getting started, that's the first thing we, we need to do. Scott, I'm fond of saying that if you keep doing what you're doing, you're probably going to keep getting what you're getting. And if you do what your parents did, then you're probably going to be in the same shape that they did, that they're in, whether that's good or that's bad, and, and a lot more bad out there than good these days, it seems like. We know that that financial readiness and financial wellness is a huge problem in America right now. We know that that comes because we're really not teaching people practical financial information in school. It's just not something that we on a widespread basis across the nation really emphasize and engage in. So we've got to do it when you come out of school and get a job. Getting a job is really all about providing for yourself now, but also providing for yourself in the future when you don't want to work or can't work. And so those are things that you've got to be prepared for. And it does take a coach walking along beside you to make that happen. Well, this discussion on this question, I think, leads very naturally into our next question. How do you get paid? And that's one that we are very transparent with and tell our clients in the client meeting room, but we're going to talk about it here on the Get Ready for the Future show because there are different ways depending on the different services. And we've already kind of alluded to that. We are planners first, John, and I think that's that's first and foremost what we should point out. We don't sell investment products without building a plan first. And we build that plan regardless of whether someone is going to invest with us. And Scott, I'm excited to talk about this, that that uh, actually we are on the threshold in just a few days, we're going to be rolling out a subscription financial planning uh, agreement. Basically, what this will do is it will help young investors to not have to pay $1,500, $2,500 for a financial plan for a small onboarding fee and then a small monthly amount, they will be able to have access to their financial advisor, whether they've got any money to invest or not. This is a way that we actually do get compensated for the planning work that we do. And so we're going to be talking more about that in a future show. But I, I'm really excited about this. It is really kind of groundbreaking territory. And Tim, I have to think, you know, I never had a financial plan until I did my own after I got in this business. But I have to think that if it would be as easy as subscribing subscribing to a subscription TV service or uh, paying a, a bill for, you know, whatever. Uh, subscriptions are, are the, new, the new fad these days. Everybody has a subscription for something. I think uh, uh, Casey, our producer, has a subscription for razors. Yeah, he doesn't that. use them, but he has <laughs> doesn't one. use them, but he <laughs> has a subscription. But this is something you can actually get some practical benefit from. Oh, absolutely. I think that I think statistics are that 10 or 15 percent of people actually have a financial plan. So being able to just have access to that and, and reset goals every year. I mean, I think that's one of the things that some of my clients that are younger, they just want to get together, talk and say, okay, these are our goals for the coming year. And having access to a financial advisor by paying that small monthly fee, I mean, it's going to be golden for you over the, over the years. 
Scott, I think about the fact that, you know, there's all kinds of barriers, mental barriers, and actually uh, financial barriers to getting a, a full-blown financial plan. Uh, you know, and obviously what we want to be able to do is try to tear down as many of those barriers as we can. Obviously, you've got to tear down the barrier of being willing and going through the effort to pull your information together and sit down with a financial advisor. But what we want to do is make it affordable for folks. And so by doing this program, uh, I'm very, very excited about what we're going to be doing with that as as time goes on and the, the number of the lives that will actually be changed by opening up financial planning to the masses. So that's one way we get paid the financial planning fee and that is a relationship that can stand alone as we've already kind of clearly outlined there but there is also compensation based on the asset management, the investment management, and that can fall into two categories. And these aren't exclusive to GenWealth, although many firms are getting away from the brokerage side. But there is a brokerage account, John, and there's an advisory account. Yeah, the brokerage account, we have relegated that to anything that you need to buy and hang on to for a long time that doesn't need a lot of management. It goes in the brokerage account. If you need a lot of active management, you don't want to be hit with sales charges on on moving from one mutual fund to the other. You want to be able to move to that fund because it's a good thing to do. That's where advisory accounts come into play. We have access to both of those and we use those based on what is in your best interest as we build your plan. We have just a few seconds left until we hear our final bell. We've gone over lots of questions, and a reminder, there it is, that you can text us your question at 501-381-5228. And it has be- is becoming customary for the uh, guest to begin with their final thoughts. The guest host of today is Tim. So what's your final thought? Well, final thought, I mean, there's so many questions we've covered here. We've got others that um, we can definitely cover in a future show. But, I mean, there are so many things that are probably on your mind. And I think one of the things that I would encourage people to do is to get those questions down on paper, call us, we can schedule an appointment. That first appointment is fully complimentary. You can nail us with all the questions you've got. If we want to continue on, we'll be able to do that. But um, people shouldn't do this alone. And there are there's a lot of confusion out there if you start researching it yourself with misinformation. So um, sitting down with an advisor that can help you through this, I think, is the first thing that comes to mind. Scott, it doesn't get any easier than texting a question to someone. It's it's right at your fingertips. You've got your phone. Just go to 501-381-5228. That is 24-7-365. Now, you're not going to get a response at 2 o'clock in the morning, <laughs> but we will get that question, and we will answer that question for you. And it is all about beginning the process. And I believe that that, as Tim said, you don't want to do this alone. We don't expect you to know everything. You shouldn't expect to know everything. Great athletes all around the world have coaches that don't get on the field and actually play the sport with them, but they actually advise them from the sideline. That's what a relationship with a a great financial advisor is, is that someone who can come alongside you and guide you along the way to help you toward financial independence. Well, my final thought today is we have more questions to answer in our upcoming webinar, Outlook 2021, just around the corner on Tuesday, January 19th at 6 30 we invite you to join us as well as ryan dietrich from lpl financial he'll be joining us as well it is easy to register just go to getreadyforthefuture.com forward slash events or the genwell facebook page and we'll talk to you again on the show next week thank you for listening to the get ready for the future show 
If you enjoy hearing from the Gen Wealth team every week, make sure and subscribe to the podcast. And if you want to help us get the word out on building toward financial independence, leave us a rating and review. The Gen Wealth financial team is available to you 24 7 at info at getreadyforthefuture.com or call our offices at 501 653 7355. You should personally consult a financial advisor before making any investment, and no strategy can assure success. Gen Wealth Financial Advisors is an Arkansas registered investment advisor with securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC.